Birds cheeped sleepily from the bushes and trees, and the ivy on the south wall of the house turned and rustled and stirred in the breeze. All of the shifting, busy movement made the house look strangely like one of those cumbersome Spanish ships setting out to sea. Lucinda was just old enough to begin to dream romantic dreams, but she did not. She did not read romances, for romances involved thinking about men, and Lucinda knew that all men were disgusting lechers who sometimes covered their brutality with a thin veneer of sophistication and elegance. Instead, she talked to her dream friend, Mary. Lucinda had created this friend for herself to while away the long empty days. Over the past year, she knew what Mary looked like. Mary was not like herself. Mary had hair as golden as the sun and laughing blue eyes and was afraid of nothing. I hope Papa did not cheat at cards this time, said Lucinda to her dream friend. He will be found out. Instead of rumours, someone will find facts one of these days. His last mistress told me that everyone in London has begun to be suspicious of him. If he gets found out, pointed out the imaginary Mary, he will be sent to prison and you will be free. Lucinda thought about this. No, she said at last. I will never be free. All of the Esmond men live for a very long time, and he would not be sent to prison. He would flee the country and take me with him, and then we should be together the whole time. She sighed. I wish I could remember what Mamma was like. She got windmills in her head, asked John the second footman. She's moping and mowing and talking to herself. Black, the butler, joined the footman at the dining-room window which overlooked the garden. Both men were preparing the room for Lucinda's solitary evening meal. No, he said. Poor little thing. Never sees nobody except my lord and his doxies. Got no one to talk to, see? So she talks to herself. Been with his lordship long, Mr. Black, sir? asked John, who had only been in the earl's household a week. A whole year said Black proudly, but I'm leaving soon. If you stay on here, you'll end up like poor little Lady Lucinda, talking to yourself. She's like a little woman, marvelled John. Taint natural. Won't live long, said Black gloomily. Them old-fashioned ones never do. Here she comes. Get your post. Lucinda picked her way through ten courses, eating a tiny amount of each dish, she knew the servants sent up these enormous stately meals, knowing she would not eat them, and they would therefore be able to have a luxurious dinner themselves. Dinner in the country was usually around four o'clock, but Lucinda's father made her keep fashionable London hours, and so she had become used to dining at seven. Her dinner finished, she went up to her bedroom, read a Latin grammar for a couple of hours, carefully memorizing the genitive case, which was as far as she had got with her verbs, and then decided to go to bed. She lay for a long time, talking to her imaginary friend. Then she blew out the candle beside the bed, leaving the rushlight in its pierced canister alight, and fell asleep. A summer gale started to blow outside, racing around the old mansion, scattering rose petals over the untended lawns, and lifting the heavy damask curtains at the open windows of Lucinda's bedroom. The tumult of the wind also covered the stealthy approach of the dark figure of a man who skulked through the bushes toward the house. Once in sight of the windows, he crouched behind a rosebush 
and lit a dark lantern, peering at a rough map of the sleeping quarters of the mansion by its feeble rays. Then he crept toward the house, and with a brief look around, began to climb nimbly up the ivy. Having reached the outside of Lucinda's bedroom window, he swung himself inside as lightly as a cat. The bed curtains were drawn back, and by the faint glow from the rushlight, he could see the face of the sleeping girl. She looked very frail and innocent. He hesitated, half turned toward the window, and then appeared to change his mind. He took out a small cudgel and raised it to bring it down on Lucinda's head, but stopped with a sigh, as if he had just realized the impossibility of his harming so weak and defenseless a prey. Instead, he sat at the end of the bed, drew out a small pistol, leveled it at Lucinda's head, and said in an urgent whisper, Wake up! Lucinda stirred uneasily but did not wake.